The following is a presentation of Main Street Preps, your source for high school sports in Middle Tennessee. It's time to talk high school football. The biggest game of the season happens this Thursday when Lipscomb Academy travels to Oakland. We'll talk about that game, interview Ravenwood head coach Will Hester, and give our picks for the top week six games. All that and more coming up next on the Main Street Preps podcast. This is the Main Street Preps podcast, covering high school sports all across Middle Tennessee. Here are your hosts, Russell Venosi and Tyler Palmatier. Hello and welcome back to the Main Street Preps podcast. I'm Russell Venosi, joined as always by Tyler Palmatier. And we are coming to you from Nashville, where it has finally stopped raining after about seven straight days of rain. I don't know that it stopped since we recorded our last episode, Tyler, but I know uh, we are glad to have at least a little bit of a break here from this Seattle-like weather that we've been having. <laughs> yeah, I think it's been most of the last week, so it, uh, I'm, I'm kind of through with it. I think it's going to get a little nicer for this upcoming weekend. Would be great if we could have some uh, some ideal conditions because we've got some big games this week, Tyler, um, and we will get to that in just a little bit. First, we're going to talk about our takeaways from week four or week five, excuse me. Um, I'm going to delve into the Main Street Preps rankings briefly, and then we're also going to talk to Ravenwood head coach Will Hester, and we are going to wrap it up with our picks for week six. So, uh, Tyler, week five now in the books. Hard to believe that half the season's already gone, or just about half the season, uh, if you throw in the extra week for the bye weeks too. But uh, what did you? What stood out to you this past week? Well, I would say uh, kind of what I've been thinking about lately is here we are about halfway through the regular season. Uh, we're pretty much going to be downhill toward the playoffs moving forward, and I think when I, when we look at the large school uh, and private school powers that we've really been keeping tabs on Oakland, Lipscomb Academy, CPA, Summit, you know, contenders, if you will, all unbeaten. Uh, I I think they kind of are who we thought we were. You know, we start the year trying to guess who's going to be good and who's going to be this or that. I I would say those, not a whole lot of surprises there, Russell. Would you agree? I mean, they've all kind of done what we thought they would do. I think so, yeah. Maybe maybe some people are a little bit down on Pearl Cone just because they were replacing a lot, but – uh, otherwise, yeah, I mean, it's been pretty much, I'd have to go back and look at our initial rankings to see how they compare to our current ones. That's probably, that'd probably be a good exercise. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it is the usual suspects on top. Yeah. And I would say you're right. Mentioning Pearl, I would say they, uh, they probably surprised me because I didn't think that they would do what they did against NBA, but they have, they have certainly turned out to be a fabulous football team, but that's one thing that's been on my mind. And really, I, this, I also had a, my first opportunity to really check out some smaller school football and smaller school being 3A. You know, it's not too small. But uh, last week when I covered the Waverly Central game against White House and Nissan Stadium, which was far more than just the pageantry of the night and Waverly getting to do its homecoming there, it ended up being a, a great game with, with White House pulling out a, a close victory. But I didn't necessarily leave that game thinking, wow, this just was a great night. I think those are two good 3A football teams. I'll start with Waverly quarterback Jacob Dooley. He's a, he's a good 3A quarterback. A lefty, can run, and he's got a great arm, a lot of fun to watch. And then on the flip side of that, you know, Rain and Blackburn for White House uh, is equally, t- equally talented. Um, 
had three interceptions to three touchdowns so far this season. You know, that's not a not necessarily a number you want to see, but uh, he was super effective, and he's averaging 110 yards passing per game. And they have a White House has a funky offense. There's a lot of shifts going on right before the snap, basically to running a lot of the same plays out of different formations. It looks like I'm not. I'm certainly not an X's and O's genius, but I don't think I've ever seen an offensive team or a high school team on offense do that much shifting and moving around before the ball snapped. So it's kind of interesting to watch a lot going on, but I, that was my first opportunity to watch some 3A football. And I, I thought both those teams were good. Waverly is not just a, a Disney story because of, you know, the, the, what they faced this year, the, the mountain that they face having to play everything on the road because of what happened in last month's flood to their facility. They're a good football team and they're really well coached. I don't, I don't think people who haven't seen them, I don't think they understand that Randall Bolden really has his stuff together. He's a guy who played at Waverly and went to high school there. So he knows that the, the kind of kids he's got, he knows who he's dealing with, but he's, it's not just that they don't make a whole lot of mistakes. It's a, it's a well-run program. So that's kind of what I saw from last week. Hey, interesting note too on Jacob Dooley while we're, while we're talking about him, I am about 95% positive he began his career at Dixon County as a quarterback. And so he was going up against Franklin, Ravenwood, Brentwood, all those all those tough teams in Williamson County when Dixon County was a part of that region. So he he got some valuable experience um, kind of thrown to the fire there as a sophomore underclassman. Um, and so that is clearly paying off now uh, for yeah, him as a senior. So That's interesting. I didn't know that. Cool to see. But... Uh, while you were over there, um, I got to see a great game between Davidson Academy and BGA. I, I didn't initially think it was going to be a great game with the way BGA jumped out to a huge lead. They were actually up 38-8 to eight a few minutes into the third quarter when a lightning delay, speaking of weather, happened and knocked everything back for about 30 minutes. Uh, and when that lightning delay was over, the Bears scored 22 unanswered points and made it 38 to 30. Uh, so it got pretty interesting there. BGA was able to hold on. They got an insurance touchdown from Sean Williams. Um, but man, yeah, Davidson Academy, it, it initially just looked like, wow, welcome to division two double a, these guys aren't quite ready for the speed and the physicality of this. But um, after kind of getting punched in the mouth to their credit, they, they fought back and they've got several impact transfers on their team. I think we've highlighted Devonte Phillips on this show before the running back that's, ha- that's had a big season, but they've also got a couple of wide receiver defensive back uh, combo guys, Cortland Simmons, who came from Missouri and then Bryson Burns, who also came over from Rossview like Devonte Phillips. And they were difference makers as well on Friday. So I wouldn't count Davidson Academy out just yet. I know they've still got games left against CPA and Lipscomb Academy, and those are going to be really tough. But, um, you know, 4-1 start for them and and a good showing when all was said and done against BGA. So not a, not too bad of a, a debut for them. Meanwhile, on the other side, though, Sean Williams, I don't think this is a guy we talk about enough, and he's kind of flown under the radar a little bit just being there at BGA. But, man, five touchdowns, over 260 yards of total offense. Um He's got offers from Dartmouth, Eastern Kentucky, and Pennsylvania, and I would not be surprised if that grew uh, by the time the season ended and certainly after the season. This, he, he can do it all. Uh, he runs the ball well, and also the pass-catching ability uh, is probably something that sets him apart as well. So, anyways, those were a couple of things I saw this week. Um, also just wanted to point out this absurd stat. This is not really from our coverage area, but uh, – in Donovan Stewart's weekly column, kind of highlighting some of the top performers from across the state, he's got 
Kenji Lewis, a quarterback from Memphis East in there. And uh, Lewis accounted for 512 yards. And get this, 134 passing. 512, I should say, all-purpose yards. Make that clear. Uh, 134 passing, 184 rushing, 154 receiving, and then 40 total return yards. And seven touchdowns and a 56-20 win over Hamilton. Tyler, I don't know how you end up with 130 receiving yards and 130 passing yards and 150 receiving yards, but I don't, maybe he was throwing passes to himself. I don't know, but just an incredible performance there uh, for Kenji Lewis. I, sounds like it's worth looking into almost. That's pretty fun. I mean, I, I guess if you have a – shoot. I mean, you'd have to have some big plays coming from – you know, maybe a couple – I mean, if you have somebody else who can throw the ball, you can certainly work some of those plays into the – into the script uh, where somebody's, but the, I mean, to get over a hundred yards, you've got to, I don't know how many times can you pull a trick play out of the, out of your hat to, to pile up that kind of receiving yards for your quarterback. That's yeah. And they've taken one for at least 70 yards or something like that. Right. Yeah. And if they've just got two quarterbacks on the field, throwing the ball to each other, then that's, that sounds like it's pretty unstoppable, but it sounds like the new age of football right there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would watch that. Yeah. Um, and so let's quickly transition to our main street preps rankings. Not a whole lot has changed uh, since we last talked about them, but Oakland's number one, Lipscomb Academy's number two. They're going to square off on Thursday night. So we will have uh, a no doubt number one team this time next week. Otherwise there weren't much, many changes. Like I said, Innsworth, they did move up from 11 to number nine after an impressive 40 to seven win over Memphis University School, so they're in the top 10 for the first time this season. And then also want to give out a shout-out to Marshall County, 4-1 Marshall County. They're now number 25 in the rankings, and they've beaten Columbia, Creekwood, Hillwood, and Shelbyville despite losing their three-year starting quarterback, Bryson Hammonds, to a season-ending injury. Uh, so big props to them for overcoming that and, and still salvaging a pretty good season so far. And with that, let's uh, transition now to our interview with Ravenwood head coach, Will Hester. All right, we're here with Will Hester, Ravenwood football coach. Got the Raptors at four and one, two and zero in the region. Will, thanks for joining us. I was curious, um, what drew you back to the Ravenwood position when the opportunity came open, and and did it, how familiar did it feel when you when you got back there? Uh, well, I mean, I'll answer the second question first. Felt super familiar. Uh, obviously, uh, spent a lot of time here previously, and a lot of great memories here. Uh, same principal is here, and the guy that was my defensive line coach previously is the athletic director now. And so very comfortable. Turned in the in the parking lot the same direction. My office was in the same spot. All those kind of things were great. And uh, as far as why to come back, you know, my parents lived directly across the street from Raglan High School, and you know, they're kind of getting on up there in years. And I you know, felt like it was the right time to come back to be near them and be available to them if they ever needed me. Hey, well, it seems like that comfortability is, is shown in the results so far. You guys have reeled off wins over BGA, Franklin, uh, Life Academy in Virginia, and Brentwood since a season-opening defeat at NBA. Uh, what, what did you make of the way that your team responded after that loss to open the season, and uh, what do you just make of how they're playing now? Yeah, I mean, I think we're playing pretty well now. Gone three weeks without a turnover, which – uh, anybody that, that looked into the, the NBA game would realize that if you turn the ball over six times against a good football team like NBA, you, you're not going to have a chance to win, uh, much less even keep the game close. So uh, turnovers played just early. We turned it over a couple of times against BGA even, but were able to battle back and, and win that one. And, and since then, have not turned the ball over. So 
Uh, you know, obviously high school football turnovers and penalties uh, directly lead to success or failure, and uh, we got to continue to keep playing clean in order to be successful. And you mentioned the turnovers; that's obviously huge. But you got you had some some players that weren't healthy there at the beginning of the year. Let, I'll start with with a big one. Uh, getting Michigan commitment Miles Pollard back for your for your defense was a big boost, but. He's also kind of playing some offensive snaps this season. He had a really important catch for you guys in the fourth quarter against Brentwood last week. Do you see his offensive snaps kind of increasing as he gets back into the flow from his injury or is what he's playing right now about 10 offensive snaps per game about kind of where you'd like for him to be? No, he, it's going to continue to increase. So he and Lee Millette are both playing the X receiver position for us. They're both starting in the secondary on defense. So, uh, our thought as coaches is to try to get as close to where those guys are playing, you know, 50-50 on offense, and then they're playing 100% of the snaps on defense. So uh, I, w- I would see Miles' snaps continue to increase as the season goes on. Can I, I'm going to follow up there before Russell asks his next question. Uh, Lee, Lee Millette, what, what, what do you like about him having him at that position? He's a guy that sometimes with a couple of the stars you have uh, maybe gets a little bit overlooked. How's he played so far this season? Oh, he's played great. I mean, you know, goes out the first week against the NBA and has nine catches for 190 yards, which in you know high school football, had, you know, a lot of teams don't throw for 190, much less have one kid catch passes for 190. And uh, he's continued to play well. I think he had, you know, two more touchdowns against Franklin. Uh, you know, so playing very well on the offensive side. And he's a kid that, you know, is a long guy, very physical guy that we – had always had envisions of playing some defense. I think he probably projects as a defensive player in college. Uh, and so we wanted to make sure that we gave him those opportunities. And as the weather started to cool down and, and forced into it by injury to Malcolm Hamilton, who started the season for us at safety, uh, Lee has stepped in there and done a great job. And I think he's continuing to grow in that position uh, as well. A player that did come into this season with a lot of hype was Chris Parson. Of course, for anyone that doesn't know, that's Ravenwood's transfer quarterback from Texas who committed to Florida State over the summer. Uh, Will, how would you assess his performance uh, through the first five games of the season? Uh, I think he gets better and better every week. So when Chris got here, obviously he's just a junior. He's a class of 2023 graduate. He had started one varsity football game. Just so happened that one varsity football game was the Texas State Championship game. Uh, in their largest classification at Duncanville High School as just a freshman in the Jerry Dome. So uh, obviously his one start was a huge one, but he hadn't had the opportunity to kind of grow in the position in live game reps. Is he super talented? Absolutely. Hence is all the offers he has and being committed to Florida State. But if you've seen what he's done from MBA to BGA to life to Franklin to Life Christian and now to Brentwood, he is absolutely getting better and better and better and more comfortable in the position each and every week, which uh, you know is a scary thought to know that a guy uh, this super talented is continuing to improve and the game is slowing down for him and uh, the decision-making process is just becoming second nature to him. So uh, I can't imagine uh, what the ceiling is for Chris as he continues to grow and get better every week, but uh, I know I'm going to enjoy having a front-row seat to watch it. Well, what can you tell us about Isaac Rollins, another guy who you, you didn't have fully healthy at the beginning of the year? Uh, how has he played thus far? And, and for those out there who maybe don't know much about him, he's got he's got a few offers. Um, tell us something about Isaac, and, and how would you kind of describe him as a player? Well, he's super smart. He's the guy that always wants to know the reason behind everything. You know, since 
you know, his offers being Duke and Furman and the Ivy League schools. I mean, that's right up Isaac's alley. Super smart, very cerebral player, uh, super fast. You know, his name doesn't get called much because, quite frankly, people don't throw in him much. Uh, he, he literally uh, sometimes defends the field just by his presence. Uh, but a very physical young man uh, who, you know, kind of uh, in- intimidates offensive coordinators from even throwing his direction. So, uh, you know, he's a great player for us and going to be an awesome player on the next level. And looking back to last Friday, you guys were able to get a big 21-16 win at Brentwood in the Battle of the Woods. There was a huge crowd, the WCS game day, people were there, the Titans were involved in promoting the event. How great of an atmosphere was that game, Will? I mean, I think y'all could attest. I don't know that there's a better one. Uh, we talk all the time with our kids about building memories that are going to last a lifetime. I would say from the student sections to the cheerleaders of both things to the bands of both things and the players and coaches and families, I would say everybody uh, built a memory that's going to last a really long time, whether you were on the winning or losing end of that, because it was such a special atmosphere. Uh, you know, super packed house, which, you know, obviously we didn't get to have those last year. So it's been, you know, almost two years since this game got to be what it normally is. And, and then, you know, Williamson County Schools does a great job of promoting athletics. In my opinion, it does it better than anybody in, in Tennessee. And for them to have, uh, the game day set out there and do their game day production, um, it was just a very special night. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, it's exactly what high school athletics is supposed to be about. Will, we were talking about this on the sideline a little bit during the game, me and uh, a couple reporters, but uh, what is your read on Brentwood now after coaching against the Bruins? They, they did not look like a 1-4 and four team last week, that's for sure. Well, I mean, I, and I don't think they've really looked like a 1-4 and four team becoming a 1-4 and four team. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, they lost to Blackman, and, and that's probably the outlier of the group, right? A lot of turnovers in that game. Uh, I think it was six fumbles and maybe a couple of interceptions. So it's six or eight turnovers by the Bruins in that one game. Uh, Father Ryan, you know, look at what they've done outside of a uh, bump in the road to JP2. Father Ryan has kind of run rough shot through the first part of the season. Uh, they beat a very good Henry County team. And I think a lot of people will still have in the mix when it comes playoff times in 5A. Uh, and then they lost the summit in a close game where they turned it over again four or five times. So, uh, and, and then we knew, we had no doubt that they were going to play, uh, some of their most inspired and best football against us. You know, they cut their turnovers down. They had one off a tip pass against us, uh, very few penalties. I mean, I, on the whole, I think both teams played a pretty clean game, uh, outside of a couple of penalties. I think we had four penalties for 50 or 60 yards and they had six for 50 or 60 yards. I mean, pretty clean game all the way around, uh, and we knew we would get their best effort. I think, you know, people use the cliche all the time or the, the coach speak all the time that they're the best one-and-four team in the state, but uh, they really might be. So to get back to Ravenwood, there's still some challenging matchups left in this second half of the season coming up, including this week at Hendersonville. Uh, coach, how can your team continue to be successful as uh, the, the calendar turns to October soon? Well, I mean, you know, hopefully we can can survive this gauntlet. We're kind of in in the midst of a, a pretty difficult run right here, trying to get to the bye week uh, before we finish up the season. But uh, you know, going into the season, I knew our schedule was going to be challenging. I wasn't sure necessarily that it's going to end up being. I mean, it's going to end up being probably more challenging than I even thought. Seeing where all these teams are placed, you've got Hendersonville, who's 
you know, one loss is to, you know, everybody's 6A favorite Oakland, right? And they played very, very well, beat a beach team handily that everybody likes and, and won big over Gallatin last week. So another big test for us, I guess, the top team in the state. Uh, if you look at the playoff bracket and you start doing that kind of stuff, Harrisonville very likely could be the semifinal team coming out of that portion of the bracket. Uh, so, you know, definitely want to measure yourself against someone that you could see later on in the playoffs. Uh, then we got Summit next week. Obviously, the Wade Twins and, and Brady Pierce are a force to be reckoned with as they're just, uh, for lack of a better term, bulldozing their way over everybody in, in their uh, in their way. And then we have Centennial before we get to the bye week. So tough stretch run here. And then we finish up with JP2 and Indy. So we got three region games left. A lot of the, the seeding for the playoffs is going to be determined in those three games. And if we want to play at home in front of our, our favorite people, our crowd, we got to win at least two or if not all three of these uh, region games left. So definitely still a lot of, a lot of football to be played. That is Ravenwood High School head coach Will Hester. He has the wrappers off to a strong start. Will, great stuff, man. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, guys. Let's talk about some of the biggest Week 6 games. And, of course, we have to start with Lipscomb Academy at Oakland. Um, wow, this is a great matchup that came together kind of at the last minute about a week ago. And uh, two teams that wouldn't have played each other had it not been for COVID cancellations. And here we are with a marquee matchup. Uh, Lipscomb Academy averaging 62 points per game. Um, Oakland is going to have to have an answer for that. And Tyler, I'm just I'm having trouble getting past that number, the 62 per game. Uh, I just think even if Lipscomb Academy falls behind, they can catch up quickly. Luther Richardson almost doesn't even throw incomplete passes, and I, I just I don't know. Oakland is they've played some great teams over the last two years. I don't know that they've played just a juggernaut like this. Um, so why not? I'm going to go Lipscomb Academy 42, 35 over Oakland. I respect it. Um, Luther Richardson, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I can't beat the Luther Richardson drum enough. He's put up some crazy numbers. And you're right, he doesn't seem to make a whole lot of mistakes. However, I think Oakland is uh, has played in some big-time games. I like, uh, I'll, I'm going to give the coaching edge to Kevin Creasy, uh, who you know, recent Hall of Fame uh, election on last week, the surprise Hall of Fame election last week. So I think Lipscomb Academy is going to get its wake-up call, but it's not going to be my much. I've got Oakland 35-28. Should be a great game down there in Murfreesboro. We will both be there to to watch it. So that'll be fun. Uh, next up, we've got Brentwood Academy at NBA. Um, Tyler, I know you've got to see both of those teams this year. What do you think about that matchup? Yeah, I don't know. I you know, my picks have not done great, just to be frank. But uh, I, an NBA has been a famous tough last word. Your famous last words were, I believe in Nolansville. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, and they didn't win last week. Uh, so I I think, and I've especially had a tough time getting a read on NBA, but uh, I've got Brentwood Academy 21 um, 17. It's, it's going to be a fun quarterback matchup. Marcel Reed's obviously the quarterback with the big future, the five star quarterback with. And he's still got a year to play. Um, but I would say I, I like I like Brentwood Academy kind of based on what they've done and what their offense has been able to do. NBA's kind of had some struggle scoring lately. So I, I, I like Landon Wells at quarterback. I don't, I'm not quite sure what his college future is, but he's he's a fabulous 
running quarterback who can just make plays off his feet. He makes he makes some great throws off his back foot. When you look at him out on the field, you know, he doesn't hold his pads up. You don't look at him like he's not a pro-style passer. Or, you know, he doesn't have a ton of size, but he's just a gamer. Uh, he And he, he dang near led Brentwood Academy all the way down the field to beat CPA several weeks ago. So I, I like him to make a big play in this one to lift Brentwood Academy 21-17. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's going to be pretty low scoring just based on what these teams have done so far. And, of course, NBA is coming off the 10-7 win to Father Ryan, so they got off their losing streak. But um, just been a rough go of it for them. I, they've had a really difficult schedule. But ever since that Ravenwood game where they came out, came out like gangbusters, they haven't looked quite like that same team since then. So uh, I've got Brentwood Academy taking this one 17-7. And and next up, it's Nashville Christian at Davidson Academy. Um, Talked about Davidson Academy there at the top of the show. This is now a chance for them to respond after losing for the first time since September 2019. And believe it or not, their last loss before BGA uh, was Nashville Christian. So kind of coincidence there but Nashville Christian they're off to a, a nice three and one start too and I think they're going to be a factor in that division two single a uh, bracket but man with the way Davidson Academy bounced back in that second half I just got to think that they are not going to lose uh, a second week in a row here so I've got Davidson Academy beating Nashville Christian 42 to 28. Yeah I'm kind of with you on that <clears throat> I think uh, <clears throat> I think Davidson Academy probably found something, maybe maybe adjusted to the spotlight a little bit in, in its first, you know, big game in a new in a new division. So I've got Davidson thirty five thirty one. Knox Roberts uh, is a heck of a quarterback. He's gonna he's gonna right the ship and, and get it done. All right, let's la- wrap it up here, Tyler, with Beach at Summit. What do you yeah. think about that one? Uh, I like to I like Summit to continue. There's just something special about what Destin Wade's doing. He's averaging uh, 194 rush yards per game. That's pretty spectacular for a quarterback. And I, I just don't think he's going to let them down. Beach is a good football team, but Summit, Summit continues. They stay unbeaten. I've got Summit 42, Beach 31. I think we agree on the winner. I'm not sure about the score, though. A little bit of a difference there. I will say in our staff picks, it seems like a lot of us have been pretty conservative. We haven't predicted many blowouts. Um, but when you look at the scores every Friday, there's there's just so many games that turn into blowouts. And maybe some of that is, you know, the wheels fall off the wagon and things get out of hand. Maybe it's not necessarily indicative of how good the teams are. But I think this is a game that has a chance to get ugly. Um, you know, Summit squeaked out a win over Beach in last year's quarterfinals, but these two teams have kind of gone slightly different directions since then. I think Summit is just as good, if not better, than they were last year, and Beach has slipped a little bit. So I've got Summit taking this one 35-10, to 10, and I honestly would not be shocked if they won by more than that. Um, yeah, the Spartans are just, like Will said, they, they are just kind of rolling it over everybody in their way right now. And so with that brings us to the conclusion of another episode of the main street preps podcast we appreciate everybody tuning in today be sure to check out our website mainstreetpreps.com for all the latest high school sports news from across the middle tennessee area Uh, be sure to follow us on twitter as well at main street preps and find us on facebook just by typing in main street preps thanks again and we'll see you back here next week you've been listening to the main street preps podcast your source for high school sports in middle tennessee with your hosts, 
Russell Vanozzi and Tyler Palmatier. For more on high school sports in Middle Tennessee, visit MainStreetPreps.com. Thank you.